Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to the Freelance Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James. Whether you're ready to launch the side hustle you've been dreaming about, working to double your freelance income and go full-time, or just seeking inspiration from some of the smart, innovative folks I know, you're in the right place. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a spooky edition of the Freelance Friday podcast. I hope you all are having a great day and are going to be able to celebrate safely, whether that's just watching a scary movie, eating some treats, or, you know, I don't know, dressing up in your living room, whatever it is that you're doing. Have a good one. Okay, so for today's episode, I asked you all on Instagram and in my Facebook group to share your spooky client horror stories with me. I thought this would be kind of fun. We could gather around the virtual campfire and, um, you know, talk about those scary clients that... um, you know, made our lives a little bit frightening. But I also wanted to make this educational, of course. So I'm going to be giving my commentary on these stories that you all shared. I'm going to be sharing some of my own stories and I am going to be sharing some tips so we can hopefully prevent these things for for us who are listening and observing. And if you want to avoid a client horror story of your own, I want to remind you that the social media management toolbox is out now. And I think it's really, really going to help with some of the issues that we talk about. Not all of them. Some of them are quite random that we talk about throughout this episode, but uh, a lot of onboarding issues, social media strategy, setting expectations, setting goals, client communication. Those things are all covered in the social media management toolbox. And I am extending the launch offer to go through Halloween, October 31st, 2020 at uh, midnight Eastern Standard Time. So go ahead and grab the toolbox, socialmediamanagementtoolbox.com. I'll link it in the show notes. It's on sale right now for only $29. And we've been getting some really good feedback so far. This first one says, this is spooky for all the wrong reasons, not a client, but my most recent boss. When I asked for a raise because I was doing The work of three roles at once instead offered me a personal loan from the company if I was struggling to make ends meet. So I included this one even though this person said that it was a recent boss, not a client, because this is an issue of of value, right? This is a client or a a boss who didn't value this person, which happens. And I've certainly experienced some version of that myself. So when you are doing your discovery calls, when you are emailing back and forth with potential clients, I always get a gut feeling. I can't describe it. There's no science. I can't give you like a checklist necessarily, but I can tell when a client is talking about me like I am a value add to their business and that they are excited to learn from my expertise and take my advice and kind of follow my lead. And when somebody is like talking about me like I am just, you know, the lowest rung 
in the org chart and somebody who is just a a resource to them and not necessarily an expert or somebody who they are are looking to learn from. And so I think that we need to follow those cues and listen to ourselves when we get in those situations, when we get on those calls, listen to your gut. You know, I don't know. It's There's plenty of red flags. I think I've actually done a, an episode on client red flags that I'll link. There are definitely plenty of things that I have not listened to. I remember one client, it was when I first went full-time, so I was pretty much taking anything I could get at that point because I was just a little bit scared about what was gonna happen. And I got this client who was starting his own company And the way he spoke to me was just, he didn't say anything wrong. Like on paper, he didn't say anything derogatory. He didn't say anything that, you know, would get him in trouble. But it was the tone and the way in which he just like flung projects at me and just kind of like, looked down on me. I don't know. It was just a feeling. You can tell when somebody respects you and when somebody doesn't. And it ended up being a really good portfolio project, but I had to grit my teeth the entire time because he was so like degrading towards me. And it did very much feel like, a, oh, well, this little, I think it was like a $700 project. It wasn't even big at all. This $700 project, like you better work for this. It was very much that kind of an attitude. And it really felt quite gross. Like I felt gross on that project. There were red flags on the first call, but again, I was just starting and I was like, I need portfolio projects and I need income. So I just took it against my better judgment. So, uh, yeah, that one sucks. Okay. (laughs) Next one. Mm, This is a good one. A few years ago, I dated someone for a while and we got into business together doing artwork for an annual event he hosts. Things didn't work out and we went our separate ways in the middle of doing the next event's artwork. Even though with this type of situation, I needed a clean break. We had to stay connected, but eventually started communicating through a team member. His team didn't know we were involved romantically. This is why I don't date clients or do design work for people I'm dating anymore. What a disaster, but kept it professional and got the job done because it was the right thing to do. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, I've never dated anyone. Have I dated anyone? No, I don't think I've ever dated anyone that I have worked with in in a business sense, but I did date my like volunteer captain. <laughs> years ago. That's not freelancing related. So it turned out okay. Um, we obviously didn't work out, but we, we kept it profesh. But uh, I have worked with friends. And let me tell you, I would probably say like 75% of my client horror stories were friends or people I knew. This is a hard one. You know, I, I never talk about them because I never want to throw people under the bus either. I would never obviously say any, anyone by name, but I've had situations where I just felt like the other person didn't pull equal weight. And because we were friends, it was like they got a pass for it. You know, if I was hiring them as a real boss, as a somebody who didn't know them, I would have been on them like, hey, you need to pull more weight. But because we were friends, it created this weird situation where then I felt resentful. And then that probably reflected in our our friendship and things just didn't end well. That's happened to me multiple times. I'm also quite a pushover. I'm going to be honest. I think if you are in the same situation as me and you're somebody who hires friends or works with, you know, your partner, your friends, whatever, you have to be able to separate Latasha, the friend from Latasha, the boss or Latasha, the client or whatever it is. Because like I said, I mean, I've had, I've had clients like I helped them get basically portfolio work just to be a nice person. And they honestly didn't do a good job at it. And then they asked me for the testimonial and the review at the end. And it's like, I'm behind, between a rock and a hard place because 
my integrity and my honest self doesn't want to give it to them, but I'm also scared of losing that friend. And I've always had like friend issues. I really have like not many friends at all. I find it really hard to make friends and I have like deep rooted, um, what is the word for it? Deep rooted um, abandonment issues. So I will do anything to keep those friendships intact, even if it means that I'm getting run over by a bus, you know, in my business. And so that's very unhealthy. Norris and I have never really worked together. My my partner, I mean, he's helped me with things here and there, like small things, but I would, if if I were to hire him, he obviously has a job and stuff, but if I were to hire him or something like that, we would have to have a serious like roles and responsibilities delegation. Like this is exactly what you're responsible for because I just know I would be like, oh my gosh, don't be mad at me. You know, like I don't want to let this come in between our relationship and it would be really, really hard. I've been another friend client horror story where I think I miscalculated their level of professionalism. And I don't mean that as a dig. I really, I know it sounds like it, but I really don't mean it this way. It's just, I think they expected this to be like a fun, like team cool. Like they didn't understand the role of a freelancer. I think, I think they wanted somebody who was a full-time employee and they hired me and it just went bad quick. Things that we had agreed upon in the contract and in the verbal contract were not coming to fruition, things I was supposed to be provided and, and um, timelines I was supposed to be working off of that just all got broken. And I was expected to just roll with it. And again, I think because I was their friend, I think the expectation was that I was going to be cool with it, but like I have a business to run and I don't know, it was just put me in a really, really awkward position. I didn't want to, you know, just abandon ship on the project because they were a friend. They were somebody who I knew previously and I had referred a lot of work to and, you know, at the end of the day, I had to do what was right for the business. It wasn't profitable for me to spend full time basically on one very small project and, and, and do a lot of things that I didn't originally agree on. So unfortunately, like the relationship pretty much ended as well, because I mean, I don't know, that's just the way it works. Stand up for yourself though, I guess is my tip. You know, in this situation, this person's situation seems like they made it work. I think dating is, uh, adds a whole other layer. Like I said, I can't relate to that, but just make sure that if you do get in that situation, you absolutely keep it professional and you're not bringing that into the workplace and that you are completing the contract. Even if you break up, even if you stop becoming friends, if you have things signed on the dotted line, you need to fulfill that contract. And it sounds like this person did. So that's good. Okay. This one is one that I've honestly wanted to talk about in some capacity for a while. And I, I haven't known where to bring it up. So here we go. Here I'm bringing it up. Had someone get to discovery call before he told me he was looking for a sugar baby. Wow. If anyone doesn't know what a sugar baby is, it's basically like somebody who dates, like fake dates a guy or a girl or, you know, whoever, somebody older with money uh, to just like get money from them, I guess. I don't know. That's my understanding. And no shade. I'm not talking down on sugar babies. I'm not talking down on people who live different lifestyles than me. But what bothers me about this is I've had similar situations and it is very insulting because it's very clear that that's not what I am. Again, I'm not talking down on you if that's what you do, but it's very obvious that that's not my thing. At least I hope so. It's very obvious that I'm a real business owner. I, you know, make my own money. I'm not looking for like a grandpa to take care of me. And I haven't had the sugar baby thing, but I have had very inappropriate, um, actually quite like, uh, triggering experiences. I actually 
default my Zoom to have the camera turned off if I do hop on a Zoom call with somebody. And of course they can still turn their, their camera on, but at least I am not opening up Zoom to see somebody exposing themselves, which has happened, unfortunately. I never meet with people in person that I don't know. Of course, I'll meet with a client, I'll go to their office or something, but I have to have had a discovery call with them first. I will never do a discovery session with somebody anywhere. I don't care who it is. I just don't do it. I don't find it to be safe. I've had people come to me and say, oh, can we meet in person? Like people who have never even met. And that's such a red flag. Hey, can I take you to lunch? No matter, you know, regardless of gender, regardless of anything that really sketches me out. And I don't mean to be rude if I'm ever rude to you when somebody asks me that, but I have had scary situations, like I said, even on Zoom, in person, things like that. And it just doesn't make me feel very safe. So if you ever experience something like that, number one, like remove yourself from the situation. You need to go with your gut. You need to do what you can to keep yourself safe. Don't worry about the money. I know it's really hard to say. It's really easy for me to say, right? I'm not in that situation, but above all things, take care of your safety. Don't put yourself in situations where you feel physically unsafe or where you feel like you're being harassed or abused. I wish there were better protections for freelancers because unfortunately, you know, there's not a lot you can do in that situation, right? I mean, unless you want to like get a whole lawyer thing involved there's not like a hotline that we can call that I know of. There's not an HR department a lot of times, unless it is a bigger company. If it is a bigger company, that's your client, definitely go to their HR department and report them. But you know, if it's just like a mom and pop shop, unfortunately, there's just not a lot that I know of that you can really do. And in most situations, the person who was abused is the one who suffers financially, which is just not fair. Uh, So I just wanted to bring that one up because it's, It's happened to me. I've abandoned contracts that have asked me on dates or said things that were suggestive or said things that were, uh, you know, otherwise abusive. So be careful, I guess is what I'll have to say there. I think one thing that can help with this situation is a good pre-screener before a discovery call. It's not easy to get on the phone with me. And I do that intentionally. And I know I might be leaving clients on the table. I totally understand that. But I ask for a name. I ask for a phone number. I ask for an email address. I ask for a website. I ask for their budget. I ask for what they're looking for. And I leave room for a comment section. I leave all of that stuff. I don't just give name, email, and click to book a call with me because sketchy people exist. And especially if you're putting yourself out there on the internet like I do, I want to make sure that the people who are getting on a call with me are real and are really in it because they're serious about business. And this goes for just not, you know, those are the really bad sides of things is harassment and abuse and things like that. But I don't even want people hopping on a call just because they want to pick my brain just because I saw a YouTube video and they're like, oh, I want to just get on a call with her. I want people to get on discovery calls because they're serious about business. So I do make it kind of hard to get on a discovery call with me. All right, this is the last written one. And like, I don't even know what to make of this. I didn't probe very much further, Um, but this person says they once had a client put a sawed off shot me because he wanted his files. Um, so I think that means they threatened him with violence, <laughs> which knock on wood has never happened to me. Thank goodness. But I think again, obviously this would go along with that previous answer is like, get yourself out of that situation. If this is something that is the norm, if this person is aggressive and you can tell on your discovery calls, you are getting a red flag feeling about them don't work with them. Again, there's safety elements that I take into into account. Like I don't give my home address to any client. I have a virtual 
you know, like an office address that I use for client communication. So that way nobody's showing up at my home. I don't know. You know, I think it really is down to a personality fit and listening to your gut feelings and yeah, just being safe about what you're putting out there. I think also, you know, this is kind of not really client related, but just if you are on Instagram or Snapchat or YouTube or anything like that, I'm also very cautious about what I share. I would love to show you guys you know, me hanging out on my balcony. But if somebody wanted to be really creepy, they could probably find out where I lived that way. I know my old apartment was like right in downtown Detroit and I was stupid and I took photos of my view because it was nice and I loved it. And I thought about it and I was like, this is probably so easy for anybody who knows downtown Detroit at all to figure out where I am. I actually had some very scary situations happen during Vlogmas. That's one of the reasons I don't vlog for Vlogmas anymore, actually, is because, you know, I was vlogging every day and I, there were personal vlogs and I was showing my day-to-day -day routine and I was getting some actually like stalker level um tweets and DMs. And it really, really scared me because I was like, I exposed myself. Like I showed where I live essentially. And granted, I lived in a huge apartment complex. It'd be really hard to find out which unit I was in, but it still really scared me. And I, I actually experienced a lot of um, like paranoia and anxiety the whole really rest of the time that I lived in that apartment. I wouldn't leave the house by myself. So be careful, you know, with what you're sharing. Like I said, I don't, I don't, share what city I live in. I live in greater, you know, Metro Detroit, obviously, but I don't share what city I live in, what town I live in. I don't share views outside of my home, things like that. So just be safe with what you're putting out there. This last one is an audio message. I asked people in my Facebook group to share audio messages and not very many people did, but Sylvia Fino did, who is awesome. She was on this podcast as well. I'm going to go ahead and leave my speak pipe. It's, it's where you go to send me audio messages. I'm going to start leaving this just in the description of all my podcasts. If you ever have questions or how you have topic requests or things that you want to share on the show, feel free to leave me a voicemail. I think this is a really fun addition to the show. So I will leave that down below, but let's listen to what Sylvia had to say. Hey, Latasha, Sylvia here. I just saw your post on your Facebook group asking for client horror stories, and I immediately knew the one that I wanted to share. Um, also, I don't mind not being anonymous on this one because first of all, I really doubt the client will ever listen to your podcast and second like even if they do I'm just stating the truth so I am not hiding so the client horror story that I have for you today I was having dinner with my parents and she emailed me around 10 times in the span of an hour and I don't even remember what she wanted but she was like getting more and more aggravated in her emails and so when I got back to her, I let her know that I was having dinner with my family, hoping she would understand why I wasn't responding to my emails. And to my surprise, her response was, and I kind of memorized her words, um, you can never be too busy as to not acknowledge a client's email. And I was just shocked. And I, I don't even have to say it, but that's where the, the contract ended. So... Yeah. Okay. So that is another one that I have definitely experienced, maybe not to that degree, but I've definitely experienced the whole boundary issue. The first client that I told you about, this client was also very much like that, where they would email me or they would just call me out of the blue, which is kind of like a pet peeve of mine. I really 
don't like just random phone calls and I don't answer them most of the time because I don't know the numbers. I really want to schedule a phone call with you so I can be prepared. And yeah, they would call me out of the blue. Uh, They would email me a lot and kind of expect like immediate responses. And my thing that I always tell people is if they want an immediate response, if they want you to be standing by the phone, standing by your computer, they need to be paying you as a full-time worker. You're a freelancer. You're not a full-timer. That's definitely something that can can make a relationship go south really quickly. I've also had clients that just like, they they email me a lot, <laughs> not any, any currently, but I have had clients in the past that just didn't understand, I think, how this worked. And, 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 and I wanna take accountability. And I think, again, I don't know Sylvia's situation and what her onboarding process was like, so I'm not at all talking badly on her. But for me, I when, when those things happen, I try to really look at my onboarding process. And that was something that I realized I really needed to work on. And this year, that was actually a big focus. I talked about it, I think, in last week's podcast episode that onboarding was something I knew I needed to fix this year because a lot of clients weren't understanding exactly what my role was or how to communicate with me or when to communicate with me or what the expectation was because I think a lot of times people aren't trying to be like awful in horror stories they're just they think that you're full-time with them basically um they don't really know as long as you set that expectation and say hey if you email me I'll get back to you within 24 hours or, or whatever the case is maybe it's 48 hours maybe it's 12 maybe it's a day whatever just letting them know I think puts them at ease because if they just don't hear from you they might start to freak out now at a dinner like an hour is excessive there's no excuse for that I'm sorry I could have been like taking a shower like there are a million things that like an hour is just not enough to freak out but sometimes if you do have a longer response time maybe half a day or something like that they just want to know. So I am big on giving a welcome kit is what I call it, but it's really just a document where I clearly outline, you know, my communication preferences, my communication hours, so my office hours, anything that they really need to know. I, I go ahead and, and recap sort of the scope of the project. So what exactly we're doing, what the process and the timeline is. So if somebody signs on for social media management, that is so vague. I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean that you're going to be posting today for me as soon as they sign the contract? Or is it going to take a little while for you to curate those posts? When am I going to be able to see that content calendar? Or are you just going to not do a content count, like really spell out exactly what they're going to get and when they're going to get it, because you can just help avoid a lot of those unnecessary calls and things like that, just by letting them know what to expect. I also did an episode on client meetings, which I will also link. And this is another one too, is when people would say, Hey, can we hop on the phone right now? Or, you know, I'd get a random phone call with a voice message, call me back. One thing that I pretty much always do is I'll say, yeah, happy to hop on a call, you know, as long as it's with in our contract hours or whatever. Can you give me like a a brief agenda or is there anything that I should come prepared with to the call? What did you wanna talk about on the call? Giving those questions so that they're kind of forced to give you a brief before you hop on the call because a call could be a one minute, hey, I forgot the password to Instagram, or it could be a two hour strategy conversation. So you need to be able to be prepared and to be able to be empowered to reject that call. Like if you're, if they do want a two hour strategy session in the middle of a work day on a Wednesday, when you have other stuff going on, you need to let them know, Hey, this is either going to be, you know, an addition to your contract. They need to charge extra for that, or we need to set aside a whole day for this or, or whatever the case may be. So having an understanding of what they want to talk about is also really helped me out a lot. 
All right, so thank you all for sharing your client horror stories with me. I hope that we all learned something. Um, these were all these were all pretty deep, honestly. Like I feel like I was expecting some that were kind of funny, but these weren't really funny. These were actually pretty stressful. So I hope that I gave you some solutions to help. And again, I hope that you guys have an amazing Halloween weekend. And I will talk to you next week for a new episode of the podcast. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Show notes for this episode are available at latashajames.com slash podcast and contain all of the links I may have mentioned today, as well as an invitation to join my private Facebook group, the Freelance Friday Podcast Community. You can also learn about my ultra exclusive membership community, the Freelance Friday Club. Oh, and if you liked what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or throw me a testimonial over at latashajames.com slash contact. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon.